Hello, Jason here with Zion ID. Today we're going to be discussing symbolism. Uh, there's a great book called The Lost Language of Symbolism written by Alonzo Gaskill. And I'll be quoting uh, extensively uh, from him. In the book, he offers insight into living symbology. He explains, a symbol is something that represents another thing in addition to its literal meaning. Well, a type is a symbol that looks forward to future fulfillment. Symbols contain concurrent meaning, whereas types resemble in one or more ways the things they prefigure. Types point forward in time. Types can be um, interpreted through persons, events, institutions, offices, and actions, Types represent preordained representative relationships to corresponding persons, events, and institutions at a later time in history. To be unversed in symbolism is to be spiritually illiterate, as all of creation is made to represent spiritual things. In Moses chapter 6, verse 63, Jesus made it very clear. And behold, all things have their likeness. And all things are created and made to bear record of me, both things which are temporal and things which are spiritual, things which are in the heavens above and things which are on the earth, and things which are in the earth, and things which are under the earth, both above and beneath, all things bear record of me. Well, how is God able to do that when each of us is endowed with agency? Um, there's a few scriptures that I've often read uh, that on the surface don't make much sense. Let me read them to you. In Moses chapter 3, verse 5, it says, For I, the Lord God, created all things of which I have spoken spiritually before they were naturally upon the face of the earth. Uh, in DNC 29, it says, For by the power of my spirit created I them, yea, all things, both spiritual and temporal. Wherefore, verily I say unto you that all things unto me are spiritual, and not at any time have I given unto you a law which was temporal, neither any man nor the children of men, neither Adam your father whom I created. Behold, I gave unto him that he should be an agent unto himself, and I gave unto him commandment, but no temporal commandment gave I unto him, for my commandments are spiritual. They are not natural nor temporal, neither carnal nor sensual. Well, this contains the answer to how all things can bear witness, bear record of Jesus. Um, Gaskell teaches, God is entirely able to saturate historical events with symbolic and typological meetings without moral intervention or the distortion of historical facts. Plato's idea that knowledge is remembrance of premortal existence or spiritual creation has a lot of relevance here. When one is living in sync with the Spirit, he or she will invariably typify principles of the gospel. It is within this context that divinely appointed miracles can occur. Um, Another commentator observed and all is quoted by Gaskell. He says, The whole outward creation is so made as to represent spiritual things. Thus, almost everything that was said or done that we have recorded in Scripture from Adam to Christ was a type of gospel things. 
Um, symbols are the language in which all gospel covenants and all ordinances of salvation have been revealed. From the time we are immersed in the waters of baptism to the time we kneel at the altar of the temple with the companion of our choice in the ordinance of eternal marriage, every covenant we make will be written in the language of symbolism. One biblical scholar stated that the law of Moses and all of its regulations were offensive and ridiculous if not seen in light of their deeper symbolical meaning with the intent of making Israel more like and obedient to her God. As interesting as the historical facts in scripture might be, they are eclipsed by the spiritual messages. Astute readers should always be on the lookout for profound meanings from the stories that are recorded in scripture. The scriptures themselves declare their symbolic nature as the following sampling demonstrates. King Benjamin observed that Christ had given the people many signs and wonders and types and shadows concerning his coming, and yet they hardened their hearts and understood not. That's Messiah chapter 3 verse 15. On numerous occasions, Paul, Alma, Abinadi, and others testified that the law of Moses was a symbolic type of things to come. As written in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 4 and 5, Hebrews 10, Colossians 2, 17, Alma 25, 15, and Messiah 16, 14. Nephi joyfully declared, Behold, my soul delighteth in proving unto my people the truth of the coming of Christ. For for this end hath the law of Moses been given. And all things which have been given of God from the beginning of the world unto man are the typifying of him. That's 2 Nephi 11.4. Prophets such as Adam and Melchizedek are said to have been types of Christ. Uh, It says that in 1 Corinthians, Romans, and Hebrews. Alma indicated that the Liahona was a symbol representing the words of Christ and that the brass serpent that Moses raised up in the wilderness foreshadowed Christ's power to save those who would exercise faith in him. He also taught that ordination to the priesthood was symbolic of Christ in Alma chapter 13. Abinadi declared that even the actions of King Noah against him would have symbolic and typological significance. Abraham's sons, Ishmael and Isaac, were types for the old law and the new, as is revealed in Galatians chapter 4, verses 22 through 26. And the veiled face of Moses when he came down from Sinai symbolized how the Jews would not clearly see Jesus foretold as foretold in Scripture. In total, 75 listings in the topical guide to the LDS edition of the King James Bible refer to types, shadows, and similitudes. Um, let's see here. Let's now talk specifically about people being used as types. Again, I'll quote Gaskell. The people mentioned in the standard works of the church are historical realities. God's hand was manifest in their lives, the evidence of which is seen in the narratives pertaining to them. When men such as Jacob's son Joseph are known to be detailed types or symbols for a greater reality, This does not imply that they and their experiences are anything less than historical. But because God can inspire people and be actively involved in their lives, 
the exemplary persons recorded in Scripture, were receptive to the Spirit of God and were moved to live in ways harmonious with what they came to typify. And I would just insert um, the knowledge that they were acting and living as types of Christ or a future event actually shaped and transformed and in some ways changed their behavior as they were inspired by the Holy Ghost to do certain things that were in accordance with God's will. Um, One typologist noted that there is no such thing as a perfect type. Typology is not the same as allegory. Similar to what is true for Jesus' parables, if one takes typology too far, uh, it will break down. The comparisons might not hold up. Whereas allegories are usually symbolic in almost every aspect, types simply present a few major comparisons. Um, Today's podcast isn't going to be long. I think we're going to close it up um, with a few examples of different types from the scriptures. But as I read these, um, I guess it's a conclusion before the conclusion. You can consider uh, your own life and you can consider what am I a type of? How does my life typify uh, things pertaining to the Savior and the gospel? And am I being inspired by the Holy Ghost um, to bring fulfillment of such things? The first person that we'll discuss is Abel. Abel was a shepherd. Well, Christ is called the Good Shepherd. Abel offered an acceptable offering, which consisted of a first-year male lamb without blemish. Christ's offering was accepted by God and was typified in the law of Moses by the slaying of a first-year male lamb without blemish. Abel's offering offered uh, involved the shedding of blood. Christ's offering involved the shedding of his own blood. In making his offering, Abel was opposed by his brother Cain. In making his offering an atonement, Christ was opposed by his brother Lucifer. When looking at a type, you can say that seems so harsh. You know, Abel had to deal with Cain. Well, now you're seeing that spiritually, there's a deeper reason for the harshness of that experience. Um, Abel walked in holiness before God. Jesus walked in holiness before God the Father. Abel was slain by his brother while he labored in the field. Jesus was also slain by his brother, i.e. Satan caused him to be slain while he labored at his mission in the earth. Um, So those are some of the comparisons, the types, how Abel was a type for Christ. Uh, Now let's talk about Abraham. Abraham was known as the father of the faithful. Christ was the spiritual father of all the faithful. Before Abraham's birth, the king's astrologers foretold the coming of one whose right it would be to rule. In an attempt to prevent this, the king ordered the slaughter of all newborn babies. Well, before Christ's birth, the prophets foretold the coming of one whose right it would be to rule. In an attempt to prevent this, the king ordered the slaughter of all newborn babies. Through Abraham, all nations of the earth were blessed. Through Christ, all nations of the earth have been and will be blessed. Abraham was a mediator between God and man, as it says in Genesis chapter 18. Well, Christ is the great mediator between God and man. Abraham sought the salvation of others. 
as did Christ. Abraham cleansed the house of his father of idols. Jesus cleansed his father's house, the temple of money changers and merchants. Believers are known as the seed of Abraham. Believers in Christ become his seed, his children. Um, Abraham was offered by his father as a sacrifice. Submitting to the will of his father, Christ offered himself as a sacrifice for sin. In Abraham's greatest hour of darkness, God sent an angel to comfort and help him, as is stated in Abraham chapter 1, verse 5. Well, in Christ's greatest hour of darkness, God the Father sent an angel to comfort and help him. Abraham received the land of his father as a promised land and inheritance, which he willingly shared not only with his offspring, but with all who accepted the gospel, as is stated in Genesis chapter 11, chapter 17, and Abraham chapter 2. Well, Jesus received the land he and his father created as a promised land and inheritance when celestialized, which he, will, which he willingly shares as a joint heir with all who accept and live the gospel. So those are the comparisons with Abraham. Now let's jump to Isaac. Isaac was the birthright son of a righteous father. Christ is the birthright son of a righteous heavenly father. Isaac's birth required a miracle. Christ's birth required a miracle. Isaac was offered as a sacrifice by his father prior to his 37th year of life. Jesus was offered up according to the will of the father, apparently sometime during his 34th year of life. The journey to the place of Isaac's sacrifice took three days. The journey to Christ's sacrifice from his baptism in Jordan to his crucifixion on Golgotha took three years. The attempted sacrifice of Isaac took place on Mount Moriah. Uh, The same group of hills commonly called Mount Moriah was the site of Solomon's temple and Jesus' crucifixion. Isaac carried the wood on which he would be placed up to the top of Mount Moriah. Jesus carried the wooden cross on which he would be placed to the hill where he would be crucified. As part of the sacrifice, Isaac was bound to the wood. Jesus was crucified, being nailed to the wooden cross. An angel ministered to Isaac during his hour of sacrifice, and an angel ministered to Jesus during his hour of sacrifice as well. Isaac willingly went to his place of sacrifice, trusting his father's judgment and decision. Jesus willingly went to his place of sacrifice, trusting in his father's judgment and plan. A ram was provided in place of Isaac so that he would not have to die. Well, Christ is the scapegoat for Isaac and all mankind having died in our stead. The ram that died in Isaac's place had the top of its head caught in some thorn bushes. Christ, who died in part on Isaac's behalf, had a crown of thorns placed upon his head. Um, We'll finish there with the types. The closing thought that I will leave is um, your life probably in many ways is going to be a type of the Savior, whether you like it or not. And that means that certain circumstances... Um, and experiences may arise that you didn't choose to have. Well, rather than being frustrated or confused or lose faith, the alternative is to seek a deeper understanding through prayer 
and to try and figure out why certain things are happening to you and to know that God always speaks in the layered language of symbolism. Gaskell called his book The Lost Language of Symbolism. Perhaps through an increased relationship with the Holy Ghost, that language will no longer be lost to us in Zion, but we may be able to find it and further deepen uh, our covenant relationship with the God of Israel uh, in this process.